The impeachment trial is over. Friends, it is time to move on. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, I've got some really important things to share with you today, things I believe will be very helpful, very important, very edifying, and very relevant. Uh, I've prayed and asked God for His heart. I want to convey that as best as I can. And at the same time, if I say something that disturbs you, that bothers you, that you differ with, rather than just rejecting it outright and throwing it away or turning off the, the show— Stop and ask, maybe I need to hear this. That's all I ask. Welcome, friends, to the broadcast. This is Michael Brown. Thanks for tuning in, whether it's on radio, intranet, TV. So glad to be speaking with all of you. Please give me your best year. Again, I believe you will be helped, especially if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. This is Michael Brown. This is The Line of Fire. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7. Eight eight four. We will be looking back at aspects of the impeachment trial. We will be talking about things that we can learn from what our country has experienced together. I want to do that. I want to be responsible in terms of this major national news and addressing it from a godly kingdom perspective. And I want to start here, though. I want to start with the bigger message, which is not so much looking back and reflecting, but moving forward. And I tweeted this out yesterday, a simple, simple message saying this. I don't know what former President Trump's future plans are. And it's way too early to talk about 2024. In other words, the last thing I'm going to do is get involved in the, what 2024 and what's going to happen then. It's the last thing I'm going to do. So I don't know what former President Trump's future political plans are. It's way too early to talk about 2024. But this much I can say for sure. The focus of my life is on the second coming of Christ, not the second coming of Trump. Only one has preeminence in my heart. Let me say it again. The focus of my life is on the second coming of Christ, not the second coming of Trump. Okay. Friends, it is time for a great reset in the Church of America, especially in the evangelical church and maybe in particular in the white evangelical church. At least I can speak to that most decisively as a white evangelical. In other words, whatever our own background, affiliation, although I identify as a follower of Jesus, period, and we are one in the Lord regardless of of ethnicity and color and other things like that. The point is I can speak most forcefully to a constituency of, of which I'm a direct part. I can speak more forcefully to the body of Christ as a whole, as a believer. So wherever the shoe fits, wear it. This is not relevant in your own life, in your own congregation, fine. But I believe this is widely relevant across America for many, many believers today. It is time for a great reset. We must regain our focus. We must recapture what matters most. We must make the main thing the main thing once again. 
we must put our emphasis on loving God and loving our neighbor. We must put our emphasis on the Great Commission. We must put our emphasis on being disciples and making disciples. Yes, I've been saying that again and again, but I want to say it even more loudly and clearly here because the current news cycle, which centers so much around Donald Trump, is past for now. And for whatever reason Trump attracts the kind of attention that he does, whatever there is about his personality or something in the way God made him or something that's on him in an unusual level, he becomes the central controversial focus. So the news media talking about him day and night and the church and the world talking about him day and night, everyone with an opinion, either love or hate. I remember early on in the primaries, I was getting on radio one day, so the Republican primaries, I'm sorry, it, it, for 2016 election, to be clear. I was getting on radio, and I had a subject to discuss that I thought was going to generate a lot of interest. Now, you always come in to do a live broadcast, and you never know if the subject that you're going to talk about or the subjects you're going to talk about are the ones that people are thinking about. Sometimes they just want to listen. Sometimes they want to call in and share their views. But I thought this particular day... People want to share their views on this particular subject relative to politics, the elections, and and believers. And it did not seem to stir up much reaction. So I was covering the issue as I wanted to. But then in passing, I said something about Donald Trump, just completely in passing. And next thing, all the phones lit up. Everyone wanted to weigh in with an opinion on Trump. How many books have been written about Trump? I'm sure many books were written about President Obama and, and President George W. Bush before him and on and on. But the amount of books, the, the amount of controversy. And I was writing things on a very regular basis relative to Trump because Trump tied in with believers in America so much. And these were things that we were intertwined with. So I was trying to give kingdom perspectives on this all the time. But in the process, in the process, we became politically consumed. Yes, we should be involved. Yes, these things matter. But we became inordinately politically absorbed. I mean, this dominates our social media pages and the memes and the tweets and the news and the things we follow as opposed to step back, step back. Don't think about politics today. Don't think. I I know major things are happening, but major things are always happening. Okay. And most of what's happening is behind the scenes. We don't even know it. And God knows all of it. So step back and just go back to worship. Just go back to being in the word. Just go back to fervent prayer. Not so much for the elections, not for fraud to be revealed, but fervent prayer for the salvation of your neighbor. Fervent prayer for the Holy Spirit to fill your children. Fervent prayer for your own life to shine. Read through the Sermon on the Mount a few times and say, Lord, I want that spirit. I want that mindset. I want that attitude. And then just bathe yourself in the word and, and, and what, what, what's going to have your heart? What's going to have your attention? What, what are you going to focus on? Hey, look, if, if all I do hour after hour every day is read sports news and watch sports events, I am going to get caught up with that. My heart will get caught up with those things. And that's what's happened with us. We've gotten caught up with secular, worldly politics. We've replaced the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan with Republicans versus Democrats, or if you're in the other perspective, Democrats versus Republicans. We, we, we have replaced evangelizing our neighbor with, with trying to push our political views 
oh, no, not 100% of the time, not in every way, but I'm just saying we, we've gotten off track. We've gotten off track. And, and when you try to push people back on track, when you make efforts to say, hey, let's focus on Jesus <clears throat> and, and let's not focus on Trump and let's not focus on politics, let's focus on the Great Commission, let's focus on winning the loss, let's focus on, on caring for the needy in our community, Let, let's focus on, on not what the Supreme Court's going to do with abortion, but what we can do about abortion in our own neighborhood. When you talk like that, people somehow think, well, you're just capitulating. Capitulating what? I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about getting down the trenches. I'm, I'm talking about doing the things that God called us to do. Didn't Paul write in 2 Corinthians 10 that, that the weapons we, we fight with are not the weapons of this world or literally the weapons of the flesh? Yeah, we do fight, but we don't fight the way the world fights. To the contrary, Paul says, we, if our enemy's hungry, we feed him. If he's thirsty, we give him something to drink. This is quoting from Proverbs 25. Paul says in, in Romans 12, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and, and to pray for those who persecute us. And Paul says, don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. Today, when you quote those verses, you're considered weak because we're, we're not marching down the street with weapons in our hands you know, to take back America. Friends, the Gospel Commission is not to take back America. The Gospel Commission is to make disciples of the nations. The Gospel Commission is to go and preach. The Gospel Commission is to declare repentance and forgiveness of sins through the, the blood of Jesus to all people, to all human beings. If we will refocus on that, refocus on personal repentance, refocus on rekindling a passionate love for God in our hearts, recovering our first love, and getting God's heart for those that don't know him, God's heart for a dying world. Didn't Paul say in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe? Didn't John write in 1 John 5, 19, that the whole world is under the power of the evil one? And, and doesn't Paul say in 1 Timothy 1 that he received mercy from God because he was acting ignorantly and in unbelief? And, and, and aren't we to have that same mercy on those who are in unbelief, those who are in ignorant, that those who are walking in ignorance, those who are in sin? Yes, we confront sin. Yes, we stand for righteousness. But friends, change in America is not going to come primarily from the top down. It's not going to come by one political party getting in the ascendancy and pushing their agenda because they'll only be displaced after a while and then someone else's agenda will be pushed. So while we do stay involved politically and while we do advocate for godly laws and while we do push back against bad curricula in our schools and all that, we do those things because we are salt and we are light. It's not primarily a political battle. It's a spiritual battle. And we're fighting with the wrong weapons. It's like David putting on Saul's armor to go fight against Goliath. He would have been killed because those were not his weapons. And that's not he was, how he was trained and how God was going to work and get glory. Instead, it was with a, with a, a stone and a slingshot. And that was the, the deadly weapon that David had and the one that God used. That's what he was trained in. Friend, we are, we are exchanging the spiritual weapons God has given us. We are exchanging the powerful, world-changing weapons that God's given us and just relying on the vote and, and then getting out of frustration on social media. Friends, we're better than that. We're better than that. Let it be known on your social media pages, in your interaction with others, let it be known that, 
you are above all a follower of Jesus. Let it be known that political differences are ultimately going to be quite secondary. When we stand before God, he won't ask us, what did you do with Joe Biden? What did you do with Donald Trump? He'll ask us, what did you do with Jesus? Let's have a great reset. And I, I, I dare to say this, that many of us, as the dust starts to settle and the news cycle starts to slow down and we start to, to get our heads clear and spend more time with the Lord, many of us will see how far we have gotten off track and it'll be a shock. But don't condemn yourself because God's not condemning you. Rather, receive his grace, ask for forgiveness, and say, Lord, help me to get back on track. Okay, we come back. We will reflect on impeachment. He's got a bunch of clips I want to play for you. But first, please hear me. Time for a great reset in the church. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. If you want to weigh in on what I said, if you take issue with me or you want to add in your amen, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you're listening to this podcast afterwards or watching later online or maybe watching on Dish Network or Pluto TV with uh, America's Voice. Here's a number that you can call, not to be on the air, but to share your views with me. It's not to leave a question, but it's to share your views with me. And and if the comment is good or, or we really like the way you differ on a certain point, we'll, we'll play it on the air. Here's the number, 1-800-618-8480. So this is not to get on live. This is because you're listening or watching and it's not live. 1-800-618-8480. And this way you can take two, three minutes and may want to filter your thoughts and then get them out. All right. So as I talk about moving on and the great reset in the church, the other emphasis that I want to convey is simply this, that we, we do not want to be now making our big, big, big focus that consumes us. What's going to happen in 2022? What's going to happen in 2024? Is Trump going to run? Is he not going to run? Who's going to run? Those are issues, but please, I, I urge you, don't let that consume you. Don't let the news cycle consume you, unless it's something of direct and immediate personal relevance. You know, you're, you're in Texas in the midst of the, the unusual storm there and power's out. And okay, I understand that's news that's very relevant. But please hear what I'm saying. Let the main thing become the main thing. So the day of the storming of the Capitol, January 6th, massive Stop the Steal rally in D.C. And this is a little part of what Donald Trump had to say and the way the, the House managers for the Democrats who were presenting the case against Trump, saying that he was guilty of inciting insurrection, uh, here is some of what they played and put together. We will stop the steal. Today I will lay out just some of the evidence proving that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. This was not a close election. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take the Capitol. Take the Capitol. Capitol. We are going to the Capitol where our problems are. 
All right, so get a feel for what the Democrat House managers were seeking to convey. And yes, Donald Trump did say that we're going to march peacefully. He did say that. But was he guilty of inciting insurrection? Was he directly responsible for what happened that day? Uh, Representative Diana DeGette, I think that's the right way to pronounce her name, Uh, This is what she presented, some of her words, followed by a video. Again, this was in the impeachment trial and the Democrat side prosecuting former President Trump. As I said earlier, you don't have to take my word for it that the insurrectionists acted at Donald Trump's direction. They said so. They were invited here. They were invited by the President of the United States. Mm. So that is a, quote, proof from the Democrats that Trump directly incited the insurrection. Now, here, I could invite you to my house for dinner. It doesn't mean I ask you to trash the house or burn it down, okay? And, and there is nothing in Trump's words whatsoever that said, go ahead, storm the Capitol, go ahead, put people's lives at risk, any such thing. In my view... I'm going to play some more clips for you. In my view, the impeachment trial itself was a political witch hunt and had no more merit than the first impeachment trial. And in my view, Trump was not guilty of inciting insurrection in any willful way. Now, there's a lot of question raised in terms of once he heard reports about what was going on, was he derelict in his duty? Did he not call the protesters off? That's phone calls behind the scenes and other discussion. So I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there to know all of that, okay? There are people making their statements and people having their viewpoints, but I wasn't there any more than you were to know exactly what happened, what the president said, didn't say. But I do not believe that he intentionally incited that. This is my own view, and that it was his goal to have a violent confrontation at the Capitol and to put at potential risk the, the lives of Vice President Pence and those in Congress. That being said, I absolutely believe that he was derelict for years with irresponsible rhetoric, that you cannot stir people up the way he stirred them up month after month after month after month against the evil opposition and calling people even on his own side enemies of the state and make them feel as if the country was being stolen from them and and then turn around and expect people to act responsibly. So I do not believe he was guilty of the charges that were brought against him in the impeachment hearings based on the information that I have. However, I do believe that on a larger level, he's absolutely responsible. He created the atmosphere that led to those things happening. So in that sense, I put the ultimate responsibility at his feet. And even the stop the steal rather that day with the rhetoric that had gone on earlier with Don Jr. and others that had spoken, 
then if, if you're going to get up and address everyone, you've got hundreds of thousands of people. They've come to D.C. You know you've got some real patriots there. You've got people that love America, people concerned about the future of America. You've told them the election's been stolen. We're going to march on the Capitol. And the people there, including Mike Pence, don't have the courage to do what they're supposed to do. Of course people are going to do irrational things, do crazy things. You've got to be responsible, especially when you're the president of the United States. So overall, yes, I hold him responsible for what happened. But no, I do not believe that he directly incited an insurrection, that that was his intent, that he wanted that to happen, that in any knowing way he contributed to that happening. But I do believe, once again, that he did not listen to wise counsel that came his way for years from godly men and women that were around him that spoke into his life. If he had listened to that, these things would not have happened. So that's my view. That's what my view has been all along. Nothing that happened in the trial changed my view at all. A few more things, though. Go through Proverbs. These are eternal principles. They're infinitely bigger than you and me, infinitely bigger than Donald Trump or Joe Biden, infinitely bigger than America, infinitely bigger than the world. They are God's eternal principles of wisdom applied in this life, in this world. And you look at the power of words, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You look at what the word says about reckless words piercing like a sword. You read the damage that the tongue can do and the healing and life it can bring and how the wise restrain their words, how the wise think first and speak, how the wise are quick to listen. You read through these things. You even read in Proverbs not to associate with a hot-headed person unless you learn their ways. So, so having a temper, and the, the, these apply to everybody. Nobody's bigger than them. Pride going before for destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. The, these are principles that apply to anyone, everyone. No one is beyond them. And when you sow this type of discord, when you sow this level of fear, when you sow this, this level of, of hatred towards the opposition, and, and now they're all, they're all evil. Every, every Democrat is evil. Everyone, they are all evil. And you can't trust it. You can't trust that. You can't trust Bill Barr. You can't trust Jeff Sessions. You can't trust Mike Pence. You can't trust the Supreme Court. You can only trust Trump. You stir that up. You get people worked up in that. Yeah, they're going to do crazy things. They're going to do un unspeakable things. And that's what happened. So did Donald Trump knowingly or willingly or purposefully incite people to do what they did at the Capitol? Absolutely not. Is he ultimately the one directly responsible for creating the atmosphere that caused those things to happen? In that ultimate sense, yes. Even the idea of we're going to march, we're going to march down. You don't, you don't get that many people, but even if you say we're going to march peacefully, patriotically, when you see the spirit there, many people there were praying, many people there are godly Christians praying, praying for the nation, not a violent bone in their bodies in terms of doing the kind of thing that, that those, those people did. So we understand that. So my friends were there, colleagues were there. That was their spirit, a good spirit, a godly spirit, a praying spirit. But when you have so many others who are waiting for this moment to take the nation back by force if need be, Friends, it's a very dangerous scene. And, he, and I hold Trump responsible for the seeds he sowed for four plus years. I also hold the left-wing media responsible 
for their constant demonizing of Trump, for their constant demonizing of his supporters, for their constant biased misreporting. We'll get to that bias on the right and bias on the left that further stirred up animosity. I believe in terms of some of the larger climate in the nation, some of the the larger spirit and attitude in the nation, the level of dissension and hatred and division, that yes, a lot of that was stirred up by the left-wing media. Yeah, I believe they played a role in creating a toxic atmosphere as well. And ultimately, much of the right-wing media did the same, just added to the toxicity. We must do better. Okay, we come back. I'm going to play a few more clips for you, some must-hear, must-see clips, and I'll take your calls as well, 866-348-7884. I'm doing my best to look back at what happened, learn from it, and say, let's move forward. Let's move forward together in the Lord for his purposes. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Our intent today is to say time for a great reset in the church. Let's put the news cycle behind us. Let us move forward, focusing on what matters most. 866-34-TRUTH to weigh in, 866-348-7884. I want to play a number of clips for you, and then we'll go to the phones. I said plainly that I believe Donald Trump was not directly responsible for inciting the Capitol riot, the so-called insurrection on January 6th, that that was not his intent, that he did not say something that day that led directly to it, therefore was not guilty of the charges in the trial. At the same time, I believe his rhetoric for years and years led right to that moment, and therefore he is responsible in the larger sense. But I've also said that the left-wing media helped incite undue hatred, demonized Trump, spread lies about him and his followers. So he had his own issues, his own baggage, but then this got exacerbated by a hostile, unfair media. So one thing that came out in the impeachment trial was setting the record straight. I've tried to set it straight for years that Donald Trump allegedly spoke of neo-Nazis and white supremacists in Charlottesville and the tragic events there and called them very fine people. So here, just just look at the way this is reported. Here's a a YouTube video, Young Turks, liberal YouTube channel gets a lot of of views. Trump defends Nazis, very fine people, three years ago, okay? Or here, just CNN, and, and look at the way CNN reports it. Anderson Cooper... How many fine people would march with Nazis? These things were reported over and over. I, I watched clips on secular media where they, they, they played a quote from Trump and stopped it without getting the rest. And to this day, a lot of you actually think, yeah, Donald Trump said that, that neo-Nazis and white supremacists, there's some very fine people among them. So I'm going to play this whole clip. I want you to hear what actually happened at the news conference in question 
when these things took place in Charlottesville a few years back. Let's listen. They, started, they showed up in Charlottesville Excuse me. to protest. Excuse me. They didn't put themselves down as And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now, are we going to take down his statue? So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You, got a, you, had a lot of bad, you had a lot of bad people in the other group, too. Sir, I'm sorry, I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? No, I just didn't understand what you were saying. No. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day it looked like they had some rough, bad people. Neo-Nazis, uh, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this, there are two sides to a story. I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country, a horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. All right, so it's, it's crystal clear what he was saying. You, you have to willfully misunderstand it. And, and yet, Joe Biden's campaign even referred to, yeah, Donald Trump called neo-Nazis, white supremacists, very fine people. He said, no, I'm not talking about them. They are to be condemned. And then he, he had a press conference a few days after that, read a statement further condemning, making it clear. So there is the willful spreading of lies about Trump. And therefore, if you're a Trump supporter, you are also a neo-Nazi or white supremacist that helped fuel the fires. And then many Christians got caught up in the whole cycle and attacking back and forth. And whereas we, we have to say, OK, there's error on both sides. There is recklessness on both sides. There is a responsibility on both sides. Let's learn from it and not follow in those footsteps. OK. The. Trump lawyers played clips saying, you're calling Trump irresponsible. You're saying he incited the riot. Look at some of the things that you have said. Look at some of the irresponsible words, some of them very aggressive, very ugly by Democratic leaders. This is to say the sword cuts both ways. Let's listen to this. Contrast. The president's repeated condemnations of violence with the rhetoric from his opponents. 
I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. The vast majority of, of the protesters have been peaceful. Republicans stand for law and order and we stand for justice. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. My administration will always stand against violence, mayhem, and disorder. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. I stand with the heroes of law enforcement. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. We will never defund our police. Together, we will ensure that America is a nation of law and order. We're in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. But I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. I feel like punching him. We just want law and order. Everybody wants that. I want to tell you, Lord Judge, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We want law and order. We have to have law and order. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. We believe in safe streets, secure communities, and we believe in law and order. So here's the deal. For the left to point a finger at Trump and say, irresponsible, your rhetoric caused this unrest. There's truth there. But they need to then point that finger right back at themselves and say, we've done the same things. There is so much hypocrisy, friends. There is so much self-righteousness on both sides. So much irresponsibility, so much finger pointing. Instead, the, the right solution is for everyone to say, what's happened to us? How irresponsible have we become? How foolish with our rhetoric. So after the impeachment trial, there is an interview between a reporter, is it um, CBS, speaking to a Trump attorney. And I, I want you to hear the interaction as they go back and forth. And ultimately, there's some points the attorney makes I think are important, although there may have been some misunderstanding along the way. Let's listen. What happened at the Capitol on January 6th is absolutely horrific. But what happened at the Capitol during this trial was... Uh, not too far away from that. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case, and when they had to come uh, to the court of the Senate to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking, I think, uh, when, uh, when we discovered it and we were able to expose it and put it out. Uh, I think it turned a lot of senators the American people should not be putting up with this. They need to look at who uh, who these House managers were uh, and look to see whether these are the folks they want representing them. It was absolutely, it was shocking to me. Wouldn't have All right, so I, I would not in any way compare what the House managers did with the storming of the Capitol. That's an overstatement. But... What about at doctoring evidence, presenting doctored evidence? Is that true? So the, the reporter now uh, begins to interact. Let's, let's keep going. Do we believe that? Here we go. Let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence. And, uh, and the argument they didn't, uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. viewers. They didn't deny it. Uh, I put it in front of them three times. To be clear for our viewers, 
what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how wait, is that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. Wait, wait, wait. No, sir, no, no. I'm trying. Listen, I, I am not a listen, juror in this trial. What I'm trying to be all, clear for our viewers is what, you, actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to. Because no, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay no, not everybody, to doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully. respectfully. I have not, not said it is. Question, I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is I want turned. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I has to happen is the viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. All right, so that's Lana Zak going back and forth with Michael Vanderveen. And f- from how it appears, she's simply saying, hey, this is, I want our viewers to know what you're referring to as, quote, the doctored evidence. He takes exception as if she's saying it's no big deal. It's no big deal at all. That, and, and that's what he's reacting to. Uh, I don't think she was saying that. I, I mean, she's getting slammed by the right for saying that. I'm, I'm sure the people on the left are slamming him. But either way, he's saying there was doctored evidence presented. And then I'm looking at the clock. I don't have time to play this. And I do want to get to a couple of calls. So maybe the next segment I'll get to it. But he then unloads and she lets him speak. I mean, this is a lot of airtime to just let somebody speak on, on a CBS network there. And on any network, just to give someone that much time to just speak. So she does step back and give him the time. And he begins to rail about the media, but then ultimately rails on the left and the right. And I believe he's accurate. I believe that part is important. So we will listen to it. I want to get to your calls as well. Thanks for holding. And again, I want to tie these things up. I want to say let's learn what we can. And let's figure out how can we, as God's people, show us a better way. How can we set a better example? It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. To repeat where I started the broadcast, this is what I tweeted yesterday. I don't know what former President Trump's future political plans are, and it's way too early to talk about 2024. But this much I can say for sure, the focus of my life is on the second coming of Christ, not the second coming of Trump. Only one has preeminence in my heart. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Gary in Jennings, Louisiana. Welcome to the line of fire. Uh, hey, hey, Dr. Brown, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Uh I would just uh, like to give my view on on what I saw that morning, and I have never seen or heard anyone else uh, describe what they saw at the beginning. And I hope I can explain it right, but I was just looking at the television, and they had a camera uh, that was focused right at the uh, front of the building. Capitol building. You could Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, at the top of the building, right, okay. And then you could see, like, 
the protesters at the bottom. And then you could see the steps, all right? And it, and it stayed like that for just a long time. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just wondering, you know, what they're going to do and like that. And then all of a sudden, you saw the police start walking across from the right to the left in front of the building on top of the steps. And they come down a little bit. But then I noticed one policeman that was right in the center of that shot. He was down close by where all the people were. You couldn't exactly see him, but you could tell he was right there. And I kept watching him. I I kept my eyes focused on him. And then all of a sudden, you saw him walk a little bit closer to the people. And he said something to him. I don't know what he said, but he said something. Then you saw him turn around and start to run up the steps. And he stopped real quick. And he turned back around. And he looked at him again. And he said something to him. And I think he motioned his hand. And he turned back up and said, Come on, like, come on, let's go. And he took off running up the steps, and that's when the other policemen ran closer together to the steps. And now I saw that, so if you could, and whoever's got the videos would go back to that point and see, because that's what I saw. And when I saw that happen, I said, that's not right. This guy, you know, he he led him up the steps. So that's what I saw, and it was on television, and yeah. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, and, and Gary, the, the, the point from that is this footage a lot of us saw that we're not watching it as in a focused way that you were, but just saw the footage later where there is one policeman just kind of waving the people with his arm. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, come on. And so that's led to questions. Were there people there who were sympathetic to the protesters, the rioters ultimately? Were there people there that were part of a larger plan? So I don't know the answers to that. I mean, it's so tragic to know that that two of the police died by suicide after the event. I mean, the traumatic nature of it. But, yeah, there there are all kinds of other questions that may come out. Uh, The answers may come out eventually. The problem is, the whole problem is just the bias in every side of the media reporting. In fact, thank you, Gary, for for raising that, that issue. Uh, let's let's listen to what attorney Michael Vanderveen had to say. And and ultimately, I agree with the point about bias. So he's inter, interacted with Lana Zak at CBS. Uh, listen to his closing comments here. And she just lets him go. It's like three minutes long. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored to be frank with you. And perhaps that will come out one day. But we won this case. And I'm not a sore loser, but what happened, or a sore winner, I should say, but what should happen is somebody should look at the conduct of these house managers. It's unconscionable, aside from all of the due process violations that my client had. And the media should be looking at at a square, straight way. The straight way. When I watch the news, I watch one station and it's raining. I watch another station at the same time and it's sunny. Your coverage is so slanted, it's got to stop. You guys have to stop and start 
reporting more like PBS does rather than uh, 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 a TV news show that doesn't have any journalistic integrity at all. What I'm telling you is that they doctored evidence. And I believe your question says, well, it's only a Twitter check and, a, and changing a year of a date here. They switched the date of a Twitter a year to try to connect it to this case. That's not a small thing, ma'am. The other thing they did is they put Sorry. a check mark on something to, to make it look like it was a validated account when it wasn't. And when they were caught, they didn't say anything about it. They didn't even try to come up with an excuse about it. And that's not the way our prosecutors or our government officials should be conducting themselves. And the media shouldn't be letting them get away with it either. I'm tired of the biased media on both sides, left and right. What this country wants, what this country needs, is this country to come together, to take the left and the right and find a middle ground and start responsibly being our public officials, our elected officials. And, the new, and the re, one of the reasons why they do it is because of the media because the media wants to tell their narrative rather than just telling it like it is. And frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm not a media, I'm not in front of your cameras all the time, uh, but what right. I've been subjected to. All right, now in fairness, she was not saying, oh, it's nothing, doctoring tweets is nothing. She was simply saying, that this is, I want our viewers to know if they're not following, these are the, the pieces that you're saying were doctored. So, from my perspective, he was reacting to something she wasn't saying. But the overall point he's making, on the right and on the left, the biased media reporting that is there mainly to get viewers, listeners, readers, and to get you agitated, agitated. We live to get everybody agitated. That's not the gospel way. It's not fruitful. I'm saying right and left. Please hear me. It's not fruitful. And our goal here is to look at what's happening and then to come away with kingdom principles. That's what I'm urging. Don't be caught up with the news cycle on the left or the right. Don't let that be the major thing that's informing you. Let the word of God and the wisdom of God be the major thing informing you. That's my appeal. Not some self-righteous way. I can, I can be swayed like anybody else. Step back. Get your head clear. Get your priorities right. We need you your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, they need you to be all God made you to be, not someone carried away with partisan politics. All right, we've got time for another call. Our friend Fail in Greensboro, North Carolina. You're back on the line of fire. Yes, hi, Dr. Brown. I have two opinions, and then I'm going to get off. Number one, and I'm saying this to you as well as myself, if First of all, I do think that Donald Trump is responsible to, for the insurrection because I'm going to turn it around and make it very personal. If it was not the Capitol, but it was my own home, and I heard all the rhetoric that Donald Trump presented up to that time, and those people were coming to my house and my family got killed, I would be the first one to say, yes, Donald Trump was the one that was responsible. Number two, my point number two, I think we as evangelicals missed the most important time in history 
to declare everything that took place, the spiritual side. We should have gotten money together, got a blog of some type of segment on the major TV programs during regular hours and proclaim that everything that was done was a sin, not just people did crime. We, we missed the most important opportunity to evangelize to mm. the world. And well, yeah. I think God is so disappointed in us. But what we did, we stood behind closed doors and, and tried to, and I'm not saying because I'm not, my, my spiritual gift is not prophecy. And we tried to prophesy what we thought that God had said. The point is, we missed a great opportunity yeah. to evangelize to the whole world and not call crimes crime, but call it sin on national TV. Yeah, so, so let, me, let me jump in. Thank you for, for weighing in and sharing that. The reason we missed our opportunity was because we were just caught up politically. We were just caught up in the whole thing on the right, on the left, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, with CNN, with Fox. But we were just caught up. And, and we hadn't stepped back, gotten our priorities straight to say, yeah, ultimately, these are spiritual issues. And, and, and ultimately, this side needs to repent and this side needs to repent. Because God was not on Trump's side and God was not on Biden's side. God is God. The question is, are we on his side? So thank you for the call. I know others have, have different viewpoints, but here's the deal. We're moving on. We're moving on. I'm sure there are plenty of other places you can call and discuss this in the coming weeks. We are moving on, and we're going to talk about how to reset, regain our focus, prioritize what must be prioritized. I believe the more we do that, the more we'll realize how far off we got. God's quick to forgive and be merciful, but let's, let's repent honestly. Let's, let's be candid before the Lord. And let's move forward, and let's reach out and touch a hurting nation. God bless you.